Hey everybody, I'm Peter and I renovate creepy castles in my spare time. He's a grumpy droid drinking tea, it's Mike. Welcome to Rebels Rebels, the podcast where two buds get spooky. Oh yeah, I am really still feeling the October vibes and I'm excited. So we are going to be talking about Star Wars Visions, episode four through six, continuing on that conversation. But the spooky element is we are also going to be talking about Lego terrifying tales. So if you haven't seen those yet, please check those out and then come back to this podcast because we had a lot of fun talking about those spooky things last week. But before we jump to that, how, how's everything going, Mike? How's this spooky season treating you? Have you done anything I, particularly spooky yet? No. <laughs> um, uh, I, I enjoy it beyond mm-hmm. enjoying it. Um, particularly spooky? No. I do love... You Are have, you a Halloween you Grinch? Been, am I a what? A Halloween Grinch? No, I like Halloween. Okay, good. I'm just, uh, I'm just uh, not a celeb. I'm not like the most celebratory <laughs> person. Like, I need to throw a party for something. Uh, I, it's, it's just not my bag. I'm, I'm, I'm a little more low key, but I have been playing Overwatch uh, Halloween Edition. Oh, that's nice. Fun. I yeah. first of all, I mean, I think I'm not a celebratory person is maybe the mm. best the best description of Mike I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> yeah. Um, but secondly, I mean, speaking of spooky things that I'm doing, I told you this, but I injured myself recently. I sliced Oof. off the tip of my finger. So Oof. the biggest bummer that I'm okay. It's actually the best case scenario. But the worst thing about that is we've been playing Overwatch together and you've introduced me to that game and I've had so much fun with it and I have just injured my joystick finger. I'm on the video game DL. Yep. I'm so unathletic that I am on the disabled list for video games. Ugh. That's Ugh. so sad. That's I the know. one DL I would never want to be on. <laughs> it's so sad. Uh, but I guess, I mean, that's what happens when you reach a certain age, I guess. A certain age, from a certain age of view. <laughs> nice. Nailed it. Nailed it. Um, let's get into this. I'm, I'm excited. I'm jumping in. Uh, I've been feeling real good about this content. It's We were just talking offline a little bit. I'm uh, I'm having a lot of fun seeing these things and it, it, it feels good to be having fun with some Star Wars content, which yeah. might not have been the case for the last little bit. So how do you, th- what do you think? Let's jump into visions. I think I have some mm. more stuff to talk about with that. Does that sound good to you? Yeah, let's, let's chat visions. I'm, I am down. We did uh today. We're talking about three. We're talking about, mm-hmm. so it's four five and six, which are the village bride, the ninth Jedi and T O B one. Yeah, and I mean, I'm just going to come out and say it. In my opinion, we got a couple bangers. I was a little bit more tepid on some of the first ones, but we got some real bangers in this one. So let's start off with The Village Bride. Mm, It was done by Cinema Citrus. I love these anime studio names. Um, The Village Bride is set after the fall of the Jedi Order and the rise of the Galactic Empire on a planet whose inhabitants foster a strong spiritual connection to their natural environment, calling it Magina. Um, So this is kind of a cool planet, which I really liked. Um, They were kind of 
harvest like all their natural resources were kind of harvested by the separatists and but they left their droids behind and now a criminal organization has kind of repurposed the separatist droids to get the villagers to submit to their will um i thought that was a really kind of cool setting what did you think about this short yeah i love this one i think this one's great everything you know everything about this one i love the animation style it's very studio ghibli feeling yeah um and i i think it's great this is it's just it's it's a nice this one is there's so there's no fanfare i'm gonna say in this one and you almost if you watch this and squint might not even know it's in the star wars universe to some Mm -hmm. degree Mm -hmm. um which is really fun and i like that they don't necessarily call everything the force and i don't like i like that they yeah you see you see relics of um you know, of, of battles, but almost the relics are almost undiscernible to me. Like if, again, if I, if I didn't know I was watching a star Wars short and I was squinting and not super paying attention, it might go over my head. that This isn't star Wars, which I love. I think it's a really fun sidestep from, you know, the main path. Absolutely. I think this is kind of what I was talking about in the last episode where we discussed these visions is that me personally, I am more entertained in all storytelling by more personal, smaller stories. Um, you know, we, we talked about kind of the big explosions and battles and that's not that, that's not that entertaining to me. You know, that's why something like black Panther was so, was so successful to me because it's really a family drama about a cousin, (laughs) uh, trying that felt scorned by his family instead of something like Endgame That's like the entire universe is going to die. Yeah. Um, and I like that because this is really, it's a small story. There's a Padawan known, known only as F, um, an explorer named Valco, which this, this explorer I thought was kind of a really cool character design. Um, and the mask for F I thought was really cool as well, but really it's just, you know, something, we don't know why they're on this planet, but it's a small village with a little dispute with some small warlords and the Padawan is growing into the Jedi, even though after the Jedi have kind of vanished from the, from the galaxy in this time. So we can kind of say that F is hiding. She's one of the Jedi that escaped order 66. Um, and so we see that, I think that's the cool thing is the arc of this story is much more about her growth. You know, it's symbolized. You see her cut her pad one braid by herself when she decides to stand up for the villagers, effectively knighting herself, um, as a Jedi knight, which I thought was kind of a really fun thing. And you can read into the subtext of that, of she probably felt a lot of despair and darkness, um, probably symbolized by that kind of creepy mask after the Jedi order fell it. And she's maybe finding her finding her, uh, I don't know her will as a Jedi Knight again. And I think that's all subtext. It was never said in the story and that's really good storytelling that I loved. Yeah. I, yeah. I agree. Mm-hmm. It's, it is very subtle st- storytelling. It's yeah, it's not the, it's not the, it's, it's a, not a Michael Bay movie. Um, <laughs> totally. I, I, I wonder there's, 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 I have like, I have questions about what is this, this couple, the, these betrothed when they touch mm-hmm. the stone and they say magica, you know, magina yeah. or whatever, you know, come here. Like what is going on there? Is this the, are they just interacting with the force and they don't know they are? Yeah. Um, but is it, you know, 
Yeah, this is cool to me. Um, you you kind of mentioned it. There's the Magina, which we talked a long time ago about that Luke Skywalker book, which I think we were both a little tepid on. But one of the cool stories in the Luke Skywalker book was he visits a planet that's strong mm-hmm. with the Force and strong with their connection to nature, and it's a water planet. And so instead of the Force, they call it the Tide, and they use yeah. it in a much different way than the Jedi. And Luke kind of learns that there's different ways you can connect to the force. And I thought that was a cool thing. And I think that's kind of what's going on here. So um, there's actually some bonus features that are kind of short that I didn't notice with the first three episodes. I wish I had called the filmmaker focus where they talk Mm. to the creators of it. And so I watched those. What they said with this bride and groom, they're named Asu and Haru, I think. They said Mm. that they're extremely strong in the force, but they can't actually do anything with it other than feel the energy and appreciate the power. So this is a culture that appreciates the force and is connected to the force. Um, They are really focused on nature. And... But you know they they are they don't use it in a way that they can push bad guys off of like a off of a yeah. cliff or something like that. And so that's kind of what they were doing. Um, and I think that scene where we saw the kids placing rocks in the river is supposed to be kind of an allegory for the force, um, where the force can be directed through the actions of a person. But actually, there's there's an exact quote said by F. She says, "You cannot change the river's flow by casting a stone, but by living in harmony with nature, you can change together." And so, I think that's kind of what they're going for here: is that the people on this planet aren't directing the force; they're not the masters of the force. You know, they're not Jedi masters, but they do live in harmony, and that affects both of them. So, the force kind of flows into their culture, and their culture is changed by the harmony. If that makes any sense at all. It does, um, and I was largely thinking the same thing with a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, nice, you articulated this very well. There's some cool concepts that so Hitoshi Haga was the director for this, and so he brought up a and I think this is a cultural thing that I'm just not that familiar with, but I thought it was really cool. As he said, I wanted to show what is happening in the mountains of Japan and explain mountain worship, which is different to religion. The mountains are like God and all things have a soul and the power of the force is flowing through nature. So I think this is something that really, it seems like it's a, it's an allegory for something that exists within Japanese culture of this mountain worship and this connection to nature, which is a much different storytelling than what we get in a lot of Western stuff, you know, unless you're talking about like James Cameron's avatar or something, which I think didn't pull it off as well. Yeah. Not as subtle. Mm -mm, Not not a fan. Yeah. Um, But I I thought this was really great. And I thought the culmination of the, the ending was really cool. I mean, I love a sassy bad guy. This, this chief of the bandits was really fun to me. The, the rural wedding was really fun for me too. I, this had a lot, going for it yeah it did this was a a large success um man i don't yeah yeah the only other thing that i noticed is i feel like i've seen this kind of thing before or maybe i haven't but it really stuck out to me is it was very dramatic when f took off her mask and i was like oh my gosh i bet she's missing half of her face she's probably so disfigured and she's got like this little tiny scar on her cheek she's like don't look at me i need to wear this mask and hide my face i got a little cut on my face (laughs) So I know that made me laugh that. a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, and uh, so I've been asking these two questions. Um, do you like the art style of this of this short? 
I yeah, think you I said it, but I just want to get you on the record. I do too. I think it reminds me of Avatar, not the one I yeah. re- referenced before, not the James Cameron one, like the Last Airbender one. And I noticed too the the outline color on some of the edges. You know, they use like light blue outlining in the hair, which I thought was kind of a cool signature touch that made it a little bit different. Um, yeah, and there were other cool. I mean, there were some. You know, we didn't touch on the the ending much, but that mm-hmm. even the way she defeats that the bad guy, and she just like. The yeah. kind of one hit with the katana lightsaber really quickly. Totally. You see him go down. I mean, pretty much like Darth Maul and Obi Wan harping samurai, back to yeah. you know Super Samurai. <laughs> but there was a part in there where right before she moved, her her like high heels because they're <laughs> yeah. high heels like unlocked or something, and I was like, wait, 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 what's that about? I know that can't be like standard issue battle. He- Those are her standard standard issue battle high heels. Yeah, those were funny. I'm like, wait, right before she moved, they unlocked? Or, like, yeah. they pump... Are those her pumps? Like, <laughs> Yeah. To... They've got little, like, engines in them. Those were her jets that she just, like... Yeah. Yep. So that was interesting. Yeah, and then the second question I think we touched on as well, but again, I want you on the record. Did you like the story? Yeah, I did. I largely liked the story. Um, I don't feel super invested in... I mean, there's only one episode, so I don't know how much, you know, they can do, but I don't feel invested in the protagonists. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as a story, I, you know, a short, it feels like a nice short story, but not necessarily, you know, the question I would ask of all these episodes is, do you want more? Uh, that's a good and one. with, with this one, I think I would, this is, this is, a, the, it, 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 it was enough of an appetizer to like, get me interested so I, I think that's to me that's a, a big measure of success. Is yeah, I want more. Yep. That's a good. That's yeah. a good point. About, I, I love the story, yeah. and I think I I would like more. I think there's we've talked about the different ways you can tell story and how you can get invested, and this isn't really a character story. You know, I don't. Again, I don't. Just like you, I don't really care that much about F. Um, they didn't develop anything there. I'd love to see the studio make more kind of standalone star wars stories in this or i mean mm-hmm. not even star wars stories i just like this and i think that they did a really good job of storytelling but if i were to see more i would want to see maybe different characters and things like that um but i really did enjoy this one as well so mm. good job yeah nice job nice job yeah. do you want to talk about the ninth jedi yeah cool so the ninth, ninth jedi. jedi it takes place in a distant future which is very cool to me after all the Jedi have all but disappeared, this is likely beyond the end of the Star Wars timeline, either in the new Disney canon or Legends canon that preceded it. So this is a completely new setting, something we've never seen in Star Wars. And it was created by Production IG, which is actually a huge studio, um, which is a little mm-hmm. bit different than a lot of the other ones we've talked about. We, there's been a lot of indie studios. This is a very famous anime studio. They created ghost in the shell which you may have heard Mm. of yeah Mm -hmm. um and they're very very well respected in the in the scene um and so this story while jedi traditionally craft their own lightsabers as part of their final trials the ninth jedi features a sabersmith who constructs nine blades for masterless jedi using his method the color of lightsaber changes depending on the one who wields it or appeals or appears colorless when held by someone whose force connection is not fully established which i thought was a very cool story how did you feel about this one mike yeah i thought this one was fun as well um 
it led to a lot of questions about, you know, actually, actually, this is a question I'll ask right now. Is this canon? Are these stories canon? Or are they going to decide which ones are going to be canon? Are these like, or does visions mean these are just like... (laughs) Yeah, I think we talked about these a little bit. I think they're canon adjacent. They're not. None of them are fully canon. Um, Yeah. I think they could revisit these much like legends and kind of bring some of these in. We know the Ronin story from the first episode will be continued in a book, um, whether or not that book is, is canon or not. Um, So this is not canon, but I, I mean, I'll jump, (laughs) I'll jump to the end. I would love to see anything in this time period, a movie, a series. I, was so invested in this far future of star Wars and Mm. it seemed so new and fresh to me in a way that I didn't really expect, even though a lot of the stuff we're seeing again is not, you know, like the planet kind of reminded me a little bit of crate and other things we've seen, but it's different in a way that seemed very cool to me and very inventive and i was just i was enthralled this by far was my favorite story so far and i mean by far i think this is i was blown away by the ninth jedi yeah i i I feel similarly it's in my top two so far for sure um and we'll have to rank them at the end yeah but um i love yeah i loved it and i unlike the village bride i do feel a little more invested in these characters and this this group that's been brought together by, you know, seemingly unfortunate circumstances or the trap that was laid for them. Um, But they feel like a fun, I don't know, just like uh, I would love to see more stories of this crew together. Uh, These, you know, masterless, almost non Jedi Jedi and their, Mm -hmm. their path to whatever, whatever their path is, discover who they are, discover what their calling is or their place in the universe. I, and the future is this odd bleak place that I, you know, the Sith have seemingly come back to seek control from. It's, Mm -hmm. it's really fun. Yeah. It almost feels like Dune or something where Hmm. the Sith have, are the more dominant presence in the galaxy, but it's not like they have the empire where they control everything. It kind of feels like these factions are at war and it's very disparate Mm -hmm. and, very, it was a very sparse story. It didn't feel like the galaxy was overly populated in a way that I thought was cool. Um, yeah. And speaking of more stories, the going back to the filmmaker focus for this one, um, Kenji Kamiyama was the creator. And he's again, he's very influential creator in anime. Um, and he said specifically because this story was left on a little bit of a cliffhanger that they would love to continue the story, but quote that is for the audience to decide. So that's leaving me a little bit of hope too yeah i mean i i would be pumped i would be really pumped i this was maybe out of all of them there's i'll save which other ones but maybe out of all of them this is this would be one maybe probably even more than ronin to be honest yeah. i would like to see more of this oh yeah i absolutely feel the same way um what i would really love my my real wish would be that the ambiguous ryan johnson trilogy would take place in this time frame. You know, a lot of people oh, are saying maybe, yeah. maybe he should visit the old Republic, but what if he does something completely different? Thousand years in the future from anything we know in Star Wars and really let him run wild with his really cool, deep vision and philosophy. I think that would be awesome. 
Yeah, that'd be wild. That'd be really cool. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about this this lightsaber thing because I thought this was kind of a really cool um, function that I'd never seen before. You know, maybe if you're if you're a canon nerd, you might be a little upset about this, but it didn't bug me at all. You know, traditionally kyber crystals are naturally colorless until they're Jedi and the crystals choose each other, and then it it populates a a color based on your aura or whatever. It's very mood ring esque. Um, and then Sith lightsabers turn red what, through a ritual called bleeding, where they steal the kyber crystal from a Jedi and then pour their negative feelings into the kyber crystal until it turns red. So this was a completely different function where it would change instantly depending on the aura or the darkness or the lightness of the person. So we see this with the main character, Kara. She seems to be strong in the force and it, it develops more and more through this story. Um, and as she gets stronger and stronger and kind of her heroism comes out more and more, you see her blade turn from colorless to, I think it, it ends up being green. Is that true? Yeah. 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 Um, and I thought that was very cool. And it also sets up this really, really nice storytelling and this really surprising turn where there are the, seven or the six Jedi or there's the seven Jedi that are, that are getting their lightsabers. And you notice there's the one good Jedi and he happens to get the blade and it's blue. So you, you don't suspect anything, but when the rest of the Jedi grab their lightsabers, they all ignite, right? They all ignite red in a very cool, surprising thing that I did not see coming. And I thought that was a very cool touch. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it, it raises a lot of questions for mm-hmm. me. The, uh, but not, it was i like it though i um i there is i i do prefer the sentience of the kyber crystal as it was kind of laid out in clone wars a bit better where mm-hmm. almost like harry potter wand chooses wizard i like kyber crystals choosing their jedi and kind of being um almost you know aligned and to them by some connection i i prefer that there's just more of a that feels more special than these kind of I don't mind the lightsaber being constructed by a lightsaber smith. That doesn't bother me because, I mean, did Luke, you know, he didn't necessarily construct his mm-hmm. first lightsaber. Maybe his his second he did. We don't mm-hmm. see that. That's off camera. So I don't mind the construction element, but I do, I don't know if I like the kind of departure from Kyber crystals being somewhat you know almost the i i suppose it's the kind of fantasy i like like i love the inheritance cycle how aragon and his dragon are connected and forever connected and it's a a bond that can't be broken and similar to kyber crystals a dragon can be stolen but then it's corrupted and made evil and kind of unnatural kind of like the sith stealing Mm -hmm. the kyber crystals from the jedi so it's just it's more of a preference than a like a the damnation of what's going on here. I don't, it's just a flavor. And I think I like the, 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 the pre-established one a little better. And I'd, be, I'd wonder what this means of a Kyber crystal now. Um, so it's kind of just like a, a nerd nitpick. Like, yeah, I kind of prefer the other one, but uh, I still love this story. And there's elements of the story I still love. Yeah, totally. I, if I had to guess if they did continue this story in movies or TV, that this part wouldn't be brought into canon. I think this was probably just a special touch and creator licensing. 
Um, that being said, the way that I thought about it in my headcanon that I thought was pretty cool is obviously this is really far in the future. And the thing that I thought was interesting is that it's not just that there are these masterless Jedi that, you know, they don't have masters, obviously. They seem spread across the galaxy and very rare, so they never really were able to construct a lightsaber. But the Sith don't have lightsabers either, even though they seem to be the more dominant faction. So in my head, I'm thinking like maybe lightsabers have become so rare that the art of creating them with the old ways with Jedi is just lost completely. There is no Jedi order anymore. There's no real Sith order because again, there's, you know, lots of Sith here. There's not just the two. So whatever dichotomy there was back in the day has completely gone away. And so it's, you know, kind of a quest to, just find a lightsaber regardless of if it, you know, is done in the old traditional way or not. And maybe like that's something they would get back to when they kind of unlock the force connection between a kyber crystal and its user. Um, but, you know, that's all, again, completely made up in my head for the canon or in my head canon. And going back to what I said about it being surprising, I think this was a very very nice touch i mean i think the creator said specifically that they wanted to flip expectations and i thought that worked so well if you notice the sith all look like jedi they all look like you know kindly old people that are gentle until you see the red blades and then the good guy has a creepy mask he looks very he looks like darth vader um yeah i thought that was super clever yeah it's done well everything was done well and it sets up a an odd future of, you know, diminished expectations. It's really cool. Yeah. And it also sets up this, this theory that we've talked about before about our fantasy or sci-fi being a place or a setting more than a plot. And so, you know, this was a mystery story. It felt speaking of Ryan Johnson, it felt like knives out or something where you're Mm. like, who's this Margrave? What's going on here? Are there really lightsabers here? Trying to put the pieces together until it all kind of clicks in a way that I thought was very cool. And Star Wars was just the backdrop of that, which I thought was great. Um, The only part I didn't particularly like, speaking of the lightsabers, is at the end there's the guy named Homan um, turning back to the light side, kind of like you know his, his lightsaber slowly turns to... I think it was yellow or purple or something like that. Theoretically, I thought that was a really good idea, but it didn't really seem earned. It seemed very like, you know, I would have said, I would have thought that it would make a lot more sense if he disarms the main character, Kara, and he's about to strike her down and he hesitates. And as he hesitates, his blade slowly turns from red to purple. That would have been really cool to me, but you know, he's kind of fighting, and then someone's just like, hey, stop, this isn't you. And he's like, oh, yeah, sorry, I was consumed by the other's darkness. Okay, I'm good now. Like that, I wish that was fleshed out a little more, but that's just a little nitpick for me. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it's just a a function of a short, right? If uh, if they yeah. don't know if they're ever going to get re-upped again, and they have this, if they have 15 minutes to sell what they're, you know, <laughs> what they're making, I guess you have to do some things in elegantly like that. Cause yeah, yeah, I agree. It was, it was super quick and unearned. I just don't know how much you can earn in 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> totally. And speaking of that, I mean, one of my last points is I, th- in the filmmaker focus, they talked about how the story came together and I thought it was very interesting. I don't know if this is how all of the studios approached it, how Lucasfilm asked them to do it, or if this is just how 
this studio does storytelling, but they asked a bunch of different directors and creators to submit 15-minute short stories with the goal of having 10 different stories to choose from. And so the director of this, Kenji Kamiyama, again, he submitted two separate stories. First, he came up with the blacksmith story, and that was a standalone story. And then the story of the Masterless Jedi was another separate standalone story. And when he pitched them both as separate stories, the production team went through and felt like those stories actually lived in the same space, and they combined Mm -hmm. them together, which I thought was a cool touch. Interesting. Um, And I thought it worked really, really well. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And then the last, very last touch I want to talk about, because we don't talk about it much, is the music of this one really stood out to me. I thought it was very, very cool contemporary Star Wars, but Mm. also felt very original for the story. Um, Oh, wow. did a great job with the music, so. I did not, I missed it. Admittedly, might have been watching it distracted, so I Mm -hmm. may have to go back and listen to that. Yeah, the music was great. Um, So, did you like this style, the art style of the story, Mike? Yeah, I did. I really like this mm-hmm. art style. Yeah, I thought I thought it was pretty generic anime. Like if you think of anime, it just kind of looks like a lot of other anime, but it's beautiful. And the things that really hit me were the settings are so mm. original. There was some really cool stuff and some cool world building in this. I loved the temple. I loved those little asteroid mining devices that got flung into the atmosphere. I thought that was really cool. And the thoughtful way it was directed, like I don't usually like chase scenes, but that chase scene was really, really cool and showed something about Kara's um, powers as they're developing in a very cool way. And so the way the art and the action was directed made it feel very fantastic to me. Yeah, 100%. And then did you like the story slash would you like to see more? Yes, I I would. I would like to see more. This is one of um, two to date. I would like to see more of. Yeah, uh, I agree. I would. I, I would. I mean, there's. I mean, there's others. I would want to see more. But if I had to rank them, this would be in the top two. I want to see more of. Yeah, I'm super into this. I love it. I've already talked about it. I'd love to see more of this. Um, so if it is for the audience to decide, you better decide right. Mm. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the last one. So this last story is called TOB1, and this was created by Science Saru. And TOB1 centers on a droid who fantasizes about becoming a Jedi and is littered. This one is littered with references to existing Star Wars canon, starting with a little cute droid named TOB1 pronounced, again, TOB1, which is a direct reference to Obi-Wan Kenobi, obviously. Yeah. Um, how did you find this story, Mike? Well, Toby. Um, yeah. Um, I didn't like it. <laughs> it was it was a little too Disney for me. Like it was the Pinocchio meets Star Wars would be the easiest way to describe this one. Yep. Um, and I just kind of found it annoying. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, I kind of just found everything about it annoying. It was just like how that music one I described it as cake that was too sweet. This one was like just pure candy corn with too much sugar on it. It was just like, (laughs) it was just too much for me. Yeah. This is like an elf when he's making like the candy on top of the pancakes and dripping syrup on top of it. Yeah. 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 It was, um, even the action was, too over the top for me. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and not like, you know, in the twins, the action was over the top, but that was so, it like went full circle. This one was just, um, just uh, too much. Yeah. Didn't like it. How about you? Yeah. Fair enough. I, and oh, sorry. Can I say one? I'll say one more thing. Sure. Take a little more color. Why I didn't like it. I also just feel like I understand what they're trying to do with like, like can droids have sentience and like, this is like a very, you know, this is Blade Runner, the the Blade Runner question mm-hmm. of like, do androids, you know, dream of electric sheep? It goes back to the short story of like, will our AI ever have sentience and be, mm-hmm. be careful of the future we're creating with, you know, machine learning and artificial intelligence and, you know, what, what dictates a soul and what dictates a person or, a, you know, a life form. Those, those are great questions, but I suppose in this medium, it just feels tired and overdone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the measure of a man, as you may say, which is foreshadowing for something later. Um, I will say that I agree largely. I think I found more positiveness, if that's a word, which I don't think it is, but I'm making a word. I found more positiveness, um, than you may have. Um, I generally agree with the things you said that are against it. They did say in the filmmaker focus that this story was directly inspired by Pinocchio. Um, but yeah, yeah, it had some cool elements. It just really didn't blow me away. It was way too kiddy for me. Um, and I, so the things that I do like, I'll, I'll start there. I enjoy weirdness and goofiness a lot. I, it brings me a lot of joy. And so I liked the weirdness and goofiness of this. It felt almost like peewee, which I know you have a complicated relationship to. Mm, yeah. Um, speaking of spooky things. Um, so I really like stories that are just kind of goofy and weird. I think there were some touches on there that are kind of fun, like, uh, TOB one drawing their dreams on the, on the walls and things like that. I thought that was kind of cool. Um, the one thing I really couldn't stand is I could not take the professor's socks and sandals that, that, was, oh. that was, oh boy. that was a step too much for me. Yeah. That professor was, <laughs> man, everything was a bit much. And that was just the perfect example of a bit much. Yeah. Um, what I will say going for it too is there's there was a layer of tragedy that I first identified, but then maybe I'm going back and forth on this because I think the story specifically didn't tackle this. I think they were trying to go for it. But I, as far as I understand the force, the force flows through all living things, which yeah. to me means just like General Grievous. General Grievous could be great with lightsabers, but... General Grievous isn't going to ever be part of the Force. So I thought that could have been a very interesting, almost tragic underpinning to this story where T.O.B. one wants to be part of the Force, wants to be a Jedi so much, but it just won't happen because he's technically not a living thing um, with metachlorians and things like that. So a new take on nature versus technology, which I think could have been a really cool thing, but... Instead, they kind of just sweep it under the rug. And I think in the story, they say specifically, the professor says, the force flows through all things, which yeah. is kind of a stretch to me. So, again, a little bit uh, misses the mark. But if we are going to put aside canon, I think the one thing that I really did like about this story is the fact that 
the professor turns out to be a hidden Jedi and he's in hiding and his dream is to bring life to this dead planet to terraform this planet. And so I like that T.O.B. one becomes a real boy, becomes a Jedi, becomes Toby when he brings and nurtures life on the planet, when he fulfills the professor's dream and things start growing on this dead planet, which I thought was going back to some very cool Lucasism of, you know, the force being part of nature in a cool way. But generally, yeah, this is a big miss for me. Yeah. Yeah. It is cool. There, I mean, there are subtle elements like that, but again, there's just so many subtle elements of Mm -hmm. like ethics in here all under like a a very, very young kid show. Yeah. And a lot of unsettled elements, like just the, the inquisitor was not very subtle. The fighting was not very subtle. A lot yeah. of things were not very subtle. Yeah. Also, the animation style. I'm just going to jump into it. I didn't like it. I'm not a big fan yep. of this animation. It's just like everything's kind of clunky and big and oversized. And um, yeah, I, I don't know that I liked it. Yeah, I agree with that. And I mean, final word. Did you like this story? Do you want to see more? Probably no and no. This would yep. be a, this would be a, a, a miss for me in Visions. I agree. So, I mean, altogether, I think these were the two first stories overrated it for me. These were, I really enjoyed this block, even despite this story, um, which was overall a miss for me. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, do you want to take a quick break and we can talk about Lego Star Wars Terrifying Tales? Let's do it. All right. Well, let's talk about Star Wars Terrifying Tales, the uh, the Lego Ooh. Star Wars. And I, I, I know you haven't watched Lego Star Wars much. I have. I'm a big fan of the Free, uh, Free Maker series where um, we find, meet our good buddy Grabal the Hutt. I love it. I think it's just so goofy and fun, and it's clearly not canon. It's just a, a great space to just kind of let the hair down and be goofy. And I mm-hmm. think this does it really well. And as we're reading the Vader's comic series, this one is just perfectly tying into this idea of Vader's castle being the haunted house of the Star Wars universe <laughs> and all the spooky things that happen there within. And this is just the funny take on that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I love Emperor, Lego Emperor. I love the sassy old <laughs> Lego Emperor. He's so good. And I love his relationship with Darth Vader, and it's just you know it's it's it doesn't take itself seriously at all, and you don't want it to because it's Lego. And I mean, the Lego movies are amazing. This is amazing. It's it's hard to be mad at this, in my opinion. It's if 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 you don't like Lego Star Wars, you're not going to like this. But if you're willing yeah. to have a little fun, you're going to like this. Absolutely. I mean, as I said in the last segment, I goofiness and weirdness goes a long way for me and i think they nailed the feeling of this and and like you said i'm not i'm not super familiar with any of the lego star wars movies or video games or tv shows or anything like that so this is a new thing for me is it is the sassy emperor uh recurring oh yeah oh Oh, i'd be into it just for more set he is such a sassy b and i love it so much 
Yeah, he's the sassy emperor. Like when he calls <laughs> Vinny Darth Hideous. Like he does like stuff like he's just so funny. The Emperor yeah. is the funniest part to me. This is oh yeah, they they nailed it with this. I really did enjoy this quite a bit, and so I appreciate you bringing this to my attention. Um, I thought just going going down the line. First, I want to say, speaking of Vader's castle and how it ties into the comics, I find it so fun that they have just this set piece. I I can't imagine Gareth Edwards when he first introduced Vader's castle in Rogue One was like, oh, they are going to get a lot of mileage out of this during Halloween time. <laughs> but Disney executives were probably drooling. Um, it's such a fun setting for these stories and being able to do, you know, Treehouse of Horror-esque like uh, the oh, yeah. Simpsons have the yearly, the yearly spooky stories, things that are not canon. That I I really enjoy. That it's just a perfect blend of a lot of interests of mine, and so I enjoyed this quite a bit. I also love Tony Hale, who uh, yeah, Van A. Aquatine. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, he he's such a funny person. He is kind of the narrator for all these stories, so it's a really great, really great to have him in there. Um, and yeah, Gra- Grabella the Hut I thought was fun and silly too. Um, yeah, I like how they're kind of you know they're setting it up, poking fun at the commercialization of Vader's castle. Like, oh look at this silly hut, just wanting to make a couple bucks off of this this thing in our culture, but it's literally Disneyland. Like they're yeah. like, oh how funny is it that there's a gift shop here? By the way, visit our gift shop at Disneyland. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love that they're not afraid to make fun of themselves, which they shouldn't yeah. be as a billion dollar, not billion, you know, multi multi million dollar mm-hmm. uh, franchise. I also love about Legos is there's no timeline and there's no, it's not it's not a faux pas to use any and all characters you want. You could pull in Luke mm-hmm. Skywalker, you could pull in Kylo Ren, you could pull in Ray, you could pull in anyone all around the same timeline, and it doesn't matter. It's just such a different different place so it's fun to see you know we got like we got these three stories we got the knights of ren story um and that's just so fun to see that Mm -hmm. um and it's not off limits for lego totally i um so there's three stories here and we'll get into them in a second but before we get there i there was one thing that popped in my head that's a little random that i wanted to talk about is is poe dameron a dick uh yeah. <laughs> so I think there's a the the reason I'm thinking about this is I think Poe Dameron has seemed to become a little bit of a more dangerous character to use um because if you don't use him correctly he can come off a little bit off-putting for me and I think that happened a little bit in the story for me. I think it's clear what they're going for with the sequels is that they wanted a you know a bad boy like Han Solo but the difference between him and Han is Han had his bravado and he had his, you know, his confidence. But at the same time, you knew he was a damaged person. (laughs) Even in the beginning thing before, you know, you kind of saw him as an old loser that broke up with Leia in the sequels. You know, he's horribly in debt. He is running for his life. He keeps messing up these deliveries for the huts. It's not like he had all this stuff together. And so it kind of diffuses his cockiness in a way that you can tell it comes from a place of insecurity. And I think Poe Dameron can come off as like too cool in a way that's, 
it, it doesn't come from that same kind of place of vulnerability, you know? It just seems mm. like, oh, I'm the best and I know I'm the best and that's it. And I'm like, yeah, that's not that interesting for me. Oscar Isaac, I do like Poe as a character generally and I think a lot of that is because Oscar Isaac is such a good actor that he can pull that yeah. off. But in cases like this or in the comics or other places where you see Poe, it can be dangerous if you don't have that subtlety in your acting performance where he just kind of comes off as just a jerk. And so I was a little bit put off by that in this story, but otherwise it was That's funny. Great. Yeah. I, I guess I wasn't put off by it because they're making fun of him. Yeah. Um, true. And because they're undercutting him, it's like the purpose is you're not supposed to like him, but they're, they're pointing that out. So, yeah. In this story, he kind of reminded me of a very specific roommate you and I once had that will go unnamed. So, mm. <laughs> um, but let's talk about the three stories. The first one was entitled "The Lost Boy." Which, yeah, yeah, I love I, it. I, and it's a. I mean, it's an. I mean, all, all three of these are references to horror movies, right? Yeah, and this one is a reference to probably one of my favorites, all time favorites, and it's it's uh, it takes place in. Uh, um, Santa Cruz, California, which is just up mm-hmm. the road from me. And uh, growing up, this was one of my favorite movies, The Lost Boys with Kiefer Sutherland. And um, this is just such a fun, you know, exploration into the Knights of Ren being the Lost Boys, being this vampire society that took in <laughs> Kylo Ren, even down to the funniest part. And if, if you've ever seen The Lost Boys, there's this moment where they're all sitting around the campfire drinking and you know, so glad they're, va- they're, about this. they're vampires. So it's blood, yeah. not alcohol, but they're kind of getting drunk on this blood and there's like saxophones playing. And it's just so eighties. And then in terrifying tales, they, they take that bit and they make it. So there's like, you know, the biths are around the fire, like with their saxophones doing, uh, with their clow horns. It's, it's so yeah. funny. And it's just such a funny, and I love Kylo Ren dancing in the middle, doing his little like, uh, uh, you know, because yeah. the Legos only move so much, and it just looks so funny. The old, and the best part of that is there's a very iconic kind of memeable moment from that scene in Lost Boys where this the '80s guy playing the sax is shirtless, oh, yeah. and he's just this big buff shirtless dude. And so I love that Frigene Dan is playing his his horn shirtless on this. It's that's the goofiness that I. I like, you know, it would have been very easy for someone at, at Lucasfilm to say, like, why is this in here? That's weird. No one's going to get that reference. And they didn't do that. They didn't pull any punches. And it's just silly and goofy. And even if you've never seen The Lost Boys, I, you would chuckle at that. It is so good. And this is, again, the goofiness that I love that really goes a long way for me. And so this, this was a great one. I'll also mm. say that I love Christian Slater too. So having yeah. Christian Slater play Ren, the leader of the Knights of Ren. So funny. That yeah. was really funny. He's kind of in that Kiefer Sutherland role as the boss vampire. Yeah. Um, I thought it was great. And yeah. it actually, I mean, building to a little bit more of, you know, talking about the actual Star Wars universe, it made me want to recheck, or I've never read them, not recheck them out, check them out for the first time, the Kylo Ren comics, because I think Kylo Ren is easily the most interesting sequel character. And, you know, if you just look at the movies and stuff, you don't get a ton from the Knights of Ren and what they are. Um, they're, they're, and I looked into it a little bit. There's some pretty interesting canon about them. So I might I might jump into those comics a little bit too. Wow. 
Uh, yeah, I I need to read those. I've never. Yeah. Um, and then the only other note that I had was, I just like playing this bit. Do you know what the Knights of Ren's ship is called? So this is a ship we have seen in both Rise of Skywalker oh, and in the comics. No idea. It is called the Night Buzzard. Is that a cool name? That's the that's the game. Is that a cool ship name? The Night Buzzard. No. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It's kind of <laughs> dorky. <laughs> Night Buzzard. I don't know. It just doesn't sound good. Fly, Night Buzzard. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work. Um, but yeah, I thought this was a really fun story, and I enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah, well, what's what's our second? Our second story is uh, oh man, what was the second? It's oh, called the dueling monstrosities. Yeah. Oh my gosh! And we got a little bit of. I, I was wondering if we were ever going to get the Night Sisters in a Halloween thing. I'm like, totally. we got to use them. Yeah, I uh, mean, it's we. I think we talked about this a little bit that at one point where you know. It makes it feel less shoehorned. You know, it's not like you're just making like like with Simpsons. It's like, oh, spooky stuff's just happening. I mean, Star Wars is a in canon has witches, and so I'm really happy to see those witches because they're cool characters that we both appreciate. Yeah, I love it, and I, I uh, yeah, they're one of my favorite parts of the Clone Wars. Um, and to be able to see the spooky spin, uh, mm-hmm. and do you know what movie this is referencing? Um, I don't. I think. I mean, I just and I just thought it was like a Frankenstein take. Mm, okay. Do you know if there's something specifically that they were kind of referencing? I don't know. Um, that's yeah. what I was wondering. But yeah, yeah it, it didn't didn't strike me immediately. Yeah, it felt Frankenstein, a duel of the Frankenstein's, right? Of Grievous and and Maul, but I um, didn't pick up any direct references to like a very specific movie, like The Lost Boys. Yeah, if you if you know if there's a more specific reference that we're missing, um, email us or hit us up on Instagram, Twitter if you must, um, and let us know because I'm not exactly sure. But yeah, I thought this was a cool one. Um, I think this one left the least impression on me, but I still mm. really thought it was fun. Um, you get a lot of sassy Palpatine, which I yeah. mean, that, that goes a long way for me. I also like Darth Maul. I like the Night Sisters a lot. Sam Witwer came back to voice Darth Maul, which is always fun to me. Mm. Um, and speaking of goofiness, I mean, a classic bit that I always appreciate is that when Maul and Grievous are fighting over this... Um, saber of Scardaunt, um, which mm. is some mystical Jedi saber that turns people crazy, according to Palpatine. When they're fighting over it, they talk about, they're kind of trash talking the whole time, and the trash talking is so funny to me. Um, yeah. At one point, it's like, oh, you cut it, cut your li- the lightsaber in half, just like you, or he said something like that. And then the bit that I loved is that Maul says, makes fun of Grievous for not having the force. And so he keeps being like force flip force jump. <laughs> I love that. That's well, such a good ca- bit. I love calling out moves. It's kind of like in what we do in the shadows when they have exactly. to say bat, turn into a bat. <laughs> bat. bat. Yeah. I, I literally wrote that down on my notes. I think it, that's such a funny bit. Um, yeah, it's good. The jokes worked for me. The fight scene is choreographed really well. Um, I thought that it was, it was really, it was, it was a fun one. Yeah, it was big win. Big win, super fun, really fun. I mean, God, they're all funny. Yeah. But yeah, I probably, maybe my least favorite of the three. Yeah. Um, 
if you before we get to the next one, I mean, is there speaking of them being funny and just being another win? What other Star Wars Lego things would you recommend me and our listeners check out? Oh, I mean, jump into the free make. I mean, I, I guess you could do this. I like. I would recommend Free Makers because yeah. it's a. I think there's two seasons, and it's it's kind of the same fun silliness. Garbala the Hut is kind of the main protagonist most of the time. Uh, he's kind of he's kind of the goofy protagonist. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where I would start personally. I'm not a big fan of Droid Tales just because I don't like droids. <laughs> uh, Star Wars all, all Lego All Stars is fun. No droids um, in my bar. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I, we didn't mention this too, but I think I've never seen this, but they, this was directly in response to last year, they released a holiday special, a Lego holiday special that was pretty successful. And so they, this is kind of the continuation of that. So mm-hmm. maybe, maybe during holiday time, we can jump into that because I'd love to watch that as well. Yeah. It's funny. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It makes me already laugh. Good. Yeah. Um, and then the last story, which speaking of Treehouse of Horror, they literally did uh, a monkey's paw story yeah. in Simpsons Treehouse of Horror. Horror. This is called yeah. the Wookiee's Paw. Um, so it's a Star Wars. A lot of people have been comparing it to What If, the Marvel yeah. story, yeah. where you know what happens if Luke joins the Empire and works his way up through the ranks there. Uh, yeah, it's really fun. That's such I a fun concept. Yeah. Yeah. And the monkey's paw, I do know that was a short story. Uh, early, I just because I remember le- reading it back in college mm-hmm. and a horror class of all things, which is really fun. A lit horror, super oh, fun. That's fun. But yeah. Monkey's paw, yeah. Supernatural short story. I think JJ W. W. Jacobs, that's what it was. Nice. Wrote that. Uh, yeah. And specifically, this is a reference to Twilight Zone episode that was based on that short story. You can see the mm-hmm. font for the, the Wookiee's yeah, paw is exactly. in the Twilight Zone. Um, font and there's a pretty famous Muggy's Paw episode of that. Um, yeah. But yeah, this what if story. I mean, it, it's fun because it worked on a lot of levels. It was just, it was goofy. It was funny. It was cool to see kind of this other perspective of this <laughs> what would have happened. The best scene in this entire oh, yes. movie. Yes. Yeah, I'm Is sure it? it's the same thing. It's Luke training with Vader on his back and, instead of Yoda. Yep, and Vader and, kissing him. Okay. Oh my Vader, god! Vader kissing him on the cheek That's as if he was Darth. So good. As if he, if he was Princess Leia, is insanely funny. I know. I love it, and I love that it's like, I love the implication too of in the Death Star run. You see, Leia is is kind of doing the attack, which I think is a cool badass move. But Obi Wan is there, and I think there's even a mention of like, oh, thanks for picking me up. All right, that was easy, which kind of implies that if like Luke and Han didn't get involved, then they would have just easily picked up Obi Wan Kenobi and just like yeah. everything would have been fine. But they just bumbled it all in A New Hope, which I think is kind of a fun thing. Yeah, it's super good. And yeah. uh, uh, Leia being uh, Red Ten. And then there was a, a red five standing by, which which would have been Luke's number stuff, yeah. like, uh, stuff like that. Just so fun. Yeah, I thought this was this was a great one. I, this is my favorite one of all of them. To step on a question I have coming up, um, I really really enjoyed this, and it actually leads me to if you are okay with it, we got a listener question about this one. Um, oh yeah, Michael Palladino emailed us and said. Speaking of what-if scenarios, the Lego Star Wars Halloween Tales had a cool Imperial Luke Leia in an X-Wing. You Mm -hmm. mentioned 
that you mentioned, and it makes me wish that there were more Star Wars What If comics like Marvel historically has done. What scenarios in Star Wars would you explore in a What If comic? Um, mm. He also says, P.S. Pumpkin is a fruit, in reference to you saying yeah. you liked pumpkin as vegetables. So, okay. take Slam. that. Dunk, dunk on Mike. <laughs> dunk on me. Yeah. So, oh, are there yeah. any are there any what ifs that you've ever thought about in Star Wars that you think might be ex- fun to explore? I mean, this was probably the, the cornerstone one. Is mm-hmm. like, yeah, what if what if Luke joined, got you know, at Tatooine? Actually, he wanted to, you know, he wanted to sign up. What if he signed mm-hmm. up? I mean, so this is the ultimate what if. Of course, it plays out kind of funny that his destiny was destroyed. Anyways, the Death Star. Um, what would be another what if? Oh, I have to ponder that for a second. Uh, do you have any that come to mind? Yeah, I mean, there's so many. Um, I think, and it's very easy because you just look at like a lot of dramatic things and try to try to think about one that I thought about with you is you know what if um, Obi Wan and Qui Gon defeated oh. them all together and Obi Wan yeah. or and Qui Gon was able to raise and train Anakin. Uh, what oh wow! Happened there. I thought that would be a really fun one. And then conversely, the the more scary one is what if Darth Maul had defeated them and kind of taken his place at the right side of Palpatine? What would have happened with that story might be a kind of fun one to look at as well. Wow. Yeah, that'd be really cool. Um, hey, yeah. I mean, what, what about some what ifs for rebels? I mean. Ooh, yeah. Right? What if, uh, you know, what if Ezra had stuck stuck around what if he had not gone to uh <laughs> you know space whales tentacles with uh with blue face yeah <laughs> blue face i like that yeah i forgot his name yeah totally Ron. i mean there's some pretty fun fun hypotheticals Ron. about what if you know canon had survived and raised yeah. his kid um that's sad yeah yeah so i think you know that's that's kind of one of the really fun things about uh, Star Wars. There's another one I'll shout out, and I wish that Ooh. I could give credit. I can't. I can't remember. Oh, here it is. Um, it's it's blown up on Twitter, so you may have seen it. But someone named Uzuri Art, U Z U R I Art, has been doing these really cool pictures of Star Wars. What if based on the popularity of the Marvel series. And the last one she did was imagining Han Solo if he remained part of the Empire. And it's a really cool <laughs> picture of Han Solo in the like the the black officer's uniform with all the, you know, with the candy bar on his chest. Um I thought wow. that was just one That's last cool. kind of thing about what if, you know, he just kind of became a straight laced Imperial officer. Uh kind of kind of like this Luke story as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's the what if hole could be a could be a bit. I you know, good chance they explore that if Marvels is that successful. Totally. So thank um, you for your email, Michael. Um, this is fun, and maybe if you have some other what if scenarios, we would love to hear them. So again, you can email us or hit us up on Instagram or Twitter if you must for that as well. One last moment that I thought was really funny that I didn't get a chance yeah. to touch on was. I love the shining spoof where, you know, it's supposed to be Jack hammer, <laughs> hammering through the door and then it's, it's Johnny. But instead of that, it's uh you know, it's a, a separatist droid. And when he pokes his head through the door, it's like, 
Here's B1496111381155. The numbers just keep going. Um, <laughs> totally. That was so good. That was really good as well. I, I loved that. And I also thought about this is the goofiness that I appreciate is like, why would there be a wooden door in Vader's Castle? Who cares? It's funny. Like, yeah, that's, that's the vibe that I love. Well, it was a, a wooden door to a toilet where Gribaldi <laughs> yeah. is holding a rubber ducky, too, because there's a whole bit in the beginning about it's not bath time. Yeah, that was really funny too, which is, I mean, that's a reference to Rogue One because you see Varney, like when you first see Vader in Rogue One, he's like, isn't he like suspended in some bath yeah. chamber like that? And Varney is his attendant yeah. to him. And so it's yeah. the idea that he like sets Vader up for bath time is so funny to me. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Um, so I kind of already talked about it. Um, the Wookiee's Paw was my favorite story. What was your favorite story out of the three, Mike? Uh, I think it's, I, I think I'm going to have to go with the lost boy just because I love the lost boys. It's one of, it's again, it's my favorite horror movie. If you could call it that. And, um, just, I can't abandon it, but the Wookiee's paw is close second. Yeah. I, I loved the lost boys one too. I think that's number two for me. Very close as well. And I, I really did like the dueling monstrosities. All three of them worked for me, but I would rank them Wookiee's paw lost boy. Dueling monstrosities. Oh, yeah. So fun. Yeah. So on that spooky note, Mike, would you like to tell people where they can email us or hit us up if they know what the second story was based on or they wanted to tell us their Star Wars what if scenarios? Yeah. Um, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Rebels Rebels Pod, and you can email the show at Rebels Rebels Pod at gmail.com with uh, any questions I hope we can get to. Peter often helms that. Thank you, Peter, mm-hmm. for being so diligent there. Yeah, we have a couple more. I, uh, I've been slacking on my duties, so we will make sure to feature the duties. feedback we get from our yeah, duties hit. We'll make sure to feature some more feedback on our upcoming episodes. And so thank you for engaging with us on this and we are really happy to be celebrating some fun things i think you know again it's been fun talking about these i like them and yes. i really like having fun with star wars it's great i love it we love it yeah so you can reach out to us at rebels rebels pod at gmail.com or that is our instagram handle or our twitter handle and mike you want to take us out yeah I remember next time to be brave out there And don't look back. Run. Just run. Ah, Spooky. (laughs) Bye.